This is the podcast from Connection Community Church for Sunday, March 27th, 2011. The Land Between Provision. The Lord provides. That's our focus this morning, provision, as we continue our series, The Land Between. So good morning, Connection Church. I'm Alan Jones, and I'm a sinner who's been saved by God's grace in Jesus Christ. My wife, Carrie, usually preaches here next to me, but she had surgery about 10 days ago, and actually she's coming along just as she should, but that means she's still a couple of weeks away from being up here on Sunday morning. She'll probably be back. The plan is on Palm Sunday. She did get outside for the first time yesterday in a little over a week, so that was a blessing, and she really appreciates, we really appreciate all your notes of encouragement and your prayers. Please continue to pray for healing and, and strength and all that. Thank you so much. Let's us pray right now. Holy God, thank you for this day. Thank you for the provision you make providing this place for us to gather together. Thank you for providing one another here so that we would worship together, celebrate and praise you. Please uh, be with us as we come to you now, sharing your word. Please help us through your word to realize transformation, to realize new new life in Christ. It's in his name and in your Holy Spirit we pray. All Connection Church said, Amen. Amen. So we've been talking about the land between, between where we've been and where we're going to be, between what was and what will be, between the familiar and the yet to be known, the land between, where life is not as it once was and where the future is still uncertain, the land between. We've been following Moses and the Hebrew people as they journey in the land between, the land between their enslaved past in Egypt and their future in the promised land of Canaan. Last week, we saw Moses have a total meltdown as the weight of the entire Hebrew nation was on his shoulders. Let's take a look at that again. Numbers eleven ten through 15. Moses heard the people of every family wailing at the entrance to their tents. The Lord became exceedingly angry, and Moses was troubled. He asked the Lord, Why have you brought this trouble on your servant? What have I done to displease you that you would put the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth? Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms as a nurse carries an infant? Uh, to the land you promised on oath to their ancestors. <laughs> and you ought to have a, by the way, where can I get meat for all these people? They keep wailing to me, give us meat to eat. I cannot carry all these people by myself. The burden is too heavy for me. If this is how you're going to treat me, please go ahead and kill me. If I've found favor in your eyes. And do not let me face my own ruin. Wow, he's at the end of his rope, isn't he? Yeah. Do you ever notice when, uh, when you pray, sometimes you, I know some of you say, God, are you even there? Or, you know, sometimes you get answered, but it's like you wait and wait, you know, it's always in God's time, not our time, right? And God has a whole lot more time than we do, it seems like. Moses got a pretty quick response here. I mean, that was verse 15. Check out verse 16. And 17, 
The Lord said to Moses, bring me 70 of Israel's elders who are known to you as leaders and officials among the people. Have them come to the tent of meeting that they may stand there with you. I will come down and speak with you there, and I will take some of the power of the Spirit that is on you and put it on them. They will share the burden of the people with you so that you will not have to carry it alone. Wow, that's pretty quick prayer response, wouldn't you say? The Lord didn't waste any time. He hears, he hears Moses, uh, that Moses says he can't carry all these people himself, and so God's going to take some of that Holy Spirit power, and that's the best power you can get, from that he's had on Moses, and he's going to spread it around a little bit, 70 other guys. And so there's going to be some delegation of power going on here, right? Moses isn't going to carry it on himself. He's going to spread it around a little bit. Boy, this could be a whole message in and of itself for us, couldn't it? Spreading the power, delegating, not thinking we're going to do it all ourselves. But that's another message for another day. But think, take that with you. That's a little side when you can put in your pocket for later to think about. Anyway, God doesn't stop there, does he? He's going to uh, not only help God, uh, Moses with the challenges carrying all these people, but he's going to do a little bit more. Here's what he says. He says, tell the people, consecrate yourself in preparation for tomorrow when you will eat meat. The her- Lord heard you when you wailed, if only we had meat to eat. We were better off in Egypt. Now the Lord will give you meat, and you will eat it. <laughs> Doesn't that sound like the dinner table when you were a kid? You will eat it. Okay. And you will eat it. Uh, that's, maybe that's why we call him Father. Anyway, you will not eat it for just one day or two days or five, ten, or twenty, but for a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils and you loathe it. Yeah, this is not sounding real appetizing, is it? Because, and here's the reason it's going to be like that, because you have rejected the Lord who is among you and have wailed before him saying, why did we ever leave Egypt? Wow. And so the Lord responds both to the complaints of the people and to the cry of Moses. God responds to Moses' question, where can I get meat for all these people? By letting Moses know that God will supply meat. God will be the meat supplier for these people. And then God responds to the complaints of the people by telling them they'll have so much meat for a whole month that it will become out of their nostril. At our table, I know milk and soda sometimes came out, and that was usually only you got, you had to time it just right to get, you know, one of the kids to laugh at just the right moment you'd get, and soda was the worst because that hurts when it comes out, but we never, well, we never had quail, uh, we never had meat, so that, I mean, I never saw one of the kids have meat come out. Anybody here have that? Soda? Okay, not just my table, okay. But, but here, we're going to have... And why is that? It's not that God's trying... In fact, God is very, very, very serious here. And the reason he's so serious is this. There's always consequences for our actions, aren't there? With God. It doesn't mean God doesn't forgive us or God doesn't love us. But there's... You know, when we say, in effect... God, I was better off without you. That's what they were saying. We were better off back in Egypt. He's going, hmm, Well, I'm not so sure about that. Let's see. God's tough, man. You don't want to mess with God, do you? Or you have meat coming out of your nose. <laughs> now, Moses, here's the other interesting thing about Moses, though. He had already seen God provide in many, many ways, hadn't he? All the way, I mean, through his life he's seen God provide, and especially since the burning bush thing on the mountain, several things since then, and yet he doubts that God 
can provide the meat that God promises. Here's what, here's what Moses says. He says, here I am among 600,000 men on foot, and you say I will give them meat to eat for a whole month. Would they have enough if flocks and herds were slaughtered for them? Would they have enough if all the fish in the sea were caught for them? You know, 600,000 men. He's not even talking about the women and children. There's women and children, right? I figure it's got to be at least three, if not four times that 600,000. That's got to be a couple million people. Can you imagine trying to feed them just meat for one meal out in the desert, let alone for a solid month? That's a lot of people. That's a lot of meat. So Moses is having trouble coming up with with how this is going to work. His brain can't fathom it. His brain's not big enough to capture what it needs to capture. And the thing is, even with everything he's seen, from a burning bush to those plagues that came to Pharaoh, from, from the parting of the Red Sea, that must have been incredible, to the daily supply of manna, he's seen all that, and yet he still doubts what God is capable of doing. If Moses, having seen all that, has difficulty sometimes getting God's picture, is it any wonder that we do? Is it any wonder you do? How about you? You ever have trouble trusting that God's going to provide? Maybe it's food, maybe it's clothing, maybe it's shelter, but Maybe it's stuff beyond that. You ever have trouble trusting that God will give you strength, the strength you need to get through a particularly difficult situation or person? You ever have trouble trusting that God will give you the courage to meet uh, a challenge head on? You ever have trouble trusting that God will give you the inner peace that you need in the midst of great turmoil that surrounds you in your life? Bottom line is, have you ever... Ben, where Moses is, not sure how God is going to come through, even though you've maybe seen him come through before. Maybe this is our, our human condition, that even when God has come through, we still sometimes have trouble trusting him, especially with the big stuff, especially when the stuff is bigger than our pea-sized brains can imagine how to handle it. Funny what happens to us, though, when we don't think God can handle it, we do try to take it on ourselves somehow, don't we? Reminds us of a story we, I think we shared not too long ago of uh, those well-known Bible people, Abraham and Sarah. Remember, God promised them a child. Of course, Abe was 75 and Sarah was 65. But he promised them, and that was really important to Sarah because for women in that society, one of their primary functions, I'm not saying it's right, but that one of their primary functions and reasons was to bring forth children. And if they didn't, if they were barren, it was very difficult for them. And so she's looking for this child. But after, I think it was close to 10 years, she's getting a little bit uh, wary of whether God will provide. So she takes matters into her own hands. Actually, it wasn't her hand she took matters into. She took her maidservant and, and said to her husband, you should basically sleep with the maidservant and have a baby. And the thing is, in that culture, in that side, that was not in, uh, that strange or unusual thing to do. If a woman was barren, she may have her maidservant take her place, so to speak. But in this case, it, it's kind of not a great thing because she's basically saying, God, I don't trust you, isn't she? 
Well, Hagar, the maidservant, gets pregnant, as if you know the story, and, and, th- and that relationship between Sarah and her maidservant goes south real quick, because Hagar's getting kind of haughty, you know, she can have a baby and you can't, no, 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 boo-boo, and, and she doesn't say that, but you know she's thinking it, and Sarah's going, wait a minute, you're my servant and you're acting all high and mighty, what's the deal here? So they were at odds, and finally Hagar says, I've had enough, and walks out the door and, and, and runs away. The thing about it, though, is God sends an angel to follow her and bring her back. Isn't that incredible? God cares that much about each and every one of us that he's going to go out and follow this maidservant and bring her back. And, and the angel of the Lord, this is what's really cool, tells, tells her that, um, that she is going to not only have this child, but have uh, descendants too numerous to count. In other words, he's making basically the same promise to her that he has made to Abraham. Remember, he told Abraham, you'll have descendants more numerous than the stars in the sky. Very similar promise. And then God tells her to name the child she is carrying. Does anybody know? Ishmael. And the, word, and the name Ishmael means God hears. God hears. See, God heard Hagar in her misery. And he went after her and, and drew her back in. But then what's really cool is uh, God, uh, Hagar gives God a new name. And she gives God the name E-L-O-R-I. Now, if you say it quickly, it'd be Elroy. It sounds like the Jetsons or something. You don't want to say it too quickly because it's more like Elroy. L means God. R-O-I means who sees. Elroy is the God who sees. See, he was the God who saw her in trouble and came and rescued her. The God who hears, the God who sees. It takes us back and reminds us when Moses first heard God talking to him in that bush, the burning bush that wasn't consumed. Check this out. This is just so cool. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people. Say it with me. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians. You see that? I've seen, I've heard, I'm concerned, I've come down. I've seen, I've heard, I'm taking action, I'm providing. Seen, heard. So this is a God who sees. This is a God who hears. This is a God who provides. The land between gives us a great opportunity to see this God in action. The God who sees, the God who hears, the God who provides. Because out there in the desert, out there in that land between, we're, we're open, we're waiting for something, you know, we're, we're searching and and we're looking for what God might do. Last week, I talked about how Carrie and I um, were in the land between when we were be, uh, starting in ministry and going to seminary at the same time. And I mentioned how a couple times I was in my room at seminary, and I just I was like, like uh, kind of meltdown like uh, Moses there. And I said, Lord, I can't do this anymore. I, this just isn't working. I've got to quit. This is too, I just can't do this. And I share with you how God provided rest and uh, rejuvenated me. But, but 
during not just that, but during that whole period when we were in seminary, God provided so much more. Let me just take a minute or two to share with you what that was. When in the church, in the Methodist church, which we're a part of, they oftentimes um, give the pastor what's called a parsonage, because they used to refer to this minister person as a parson, thus a parsonage is where the pastor or parson would live. And these three churches that I served, three little churches, they had a parsonage. The challenge was it was on the exact street that we'd worked very hard to move off of <laughs> in that town. But anyway, they had this parsonage and, you know, free housing. That wouldn't be bad. But the problem was we had just built a house not too long before. And even though the sign in the yard said for sale, <laughs> nobody was coming in the door saying, I want to buy. And so here's this house we're living in, and we're not going to, I mean, it was twice the size of the other house. We're not going to move out of that when we're paying a mortgage. We're going to go live in this parsonage. You with me? Not when we're paying a mortgage. And we're saying, okay, here's the mortgage. Here's what we're making as student pastors. There was a little bit of a discrepancy there. You get me? <laughs> and so I asked, the, when it wouldn't sell for a while, I asked the churches if they would consider renting the parsonage and letting us have the rent to offset some of our mortgage costs. Instead of that, they voted to, um, to sell the parsonage and to just give us a monthly housing allowance from then on. And this monthly housing allowance for three little churches was extremely significant. My pay went up by 70%. Now, it wasn't that big to start with, but <laughs> it still, it went up by 70%. These churches took on another $10,000 a year that for a little church, I don't know if any of you have ever been in a little church, that's a significant amount of money in their budget that they hadn't budgeted, and they took that on. Through those people, God provided. You know, the, the cost of seminary, <laughs> I didn't really, really know how much it was first, because when Carrie first started, I wasn't in, Carrie was going, she started by just taking one class and then like two classes, and we were just kind of paying for it out of the checking account, and some people maybe helped a little bit here and there. And, but when you actually start going, like if you go full-time as a student pastor, it's like a four-year plan, it's about ten grand a year. If you count like um, some room and board because you have to stay over one or two nights a week and, and all that, it's about ten grand a year. Well, I still didn't know that. Well, I didn't know how much, but Carrie was getting some help from this and that. Uh, I know there was a woman in Dover whose husband had been a pastor, and she gave her a check every once in a while, and there was some money from this organization and that, and we paid a little bit, and you know, we were getting, it was fine. When I felt called, to, I didn't know how we were going to pay. I didn't know how much it was, but I knew we didn't have any money for it. <laughs> it could have been this, and we didn't have any money for it. But, um, but one day I found this application, and I still don't know, Carrie didn't know where it came from, it was on the bed. Some woman had left money to Wesley Seminary, they don't even know who she was, for several fellowships, full, full rides, uh, tuition, room, and board. And I applied, thinking, well, if I'm going to go, God, this, <laughs> if it isn't this, I ain't going. Well, it was that. And so we were blessed between the person who were caring for Carrie and for this woman who had left some money so that, in fact, I didn't stay every night there and every day, so the room and board money, which was for a, like a whole week and I was only there a couple nights, at the end of the semester, I had some extra money to have covered books and, you know, gas and all that kind of thing. Wow. At the end of our seminary time, between the two of us, it must have been like $80,000, and this is how much debt we had in terms of our school. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that incredible? But it's because God provided through some very, very, very generous people. You know, um, th things were tight. You know, like I said, we had a family of six, and you're trying to live on two student pay. My pay as a student pastor started at 15000 bucks. That's what I had left <laughs> T. 
teaching 15 years, 14 years before because of that tie, and I got back into it 14 years later. I mean, that's not a lot of money, even in 1995. So both of us were, and we're trying to raise a family of six, and things were okay, a little tight, like that, a little tight. (laughs) But we were getting by okay until Christmas. And then there was a Christmas where Basically, there wasn't any money. There was no money for presents for the kids. And we were going to have to say, kids, there's, there's no Christmas. That's not a fun thing to do. There wasn't any money until Carrie went to her mailbox at church and somebody put an envelope with five $100 bills in it. Wow. We still don't know who it was. We guessed, but we're not sure. Just anonymous $500 bills. Showed that to the kids and said, here's Christmas. I think that and other things like that are why all four of our kids have a very strong faith. They got to see God in action. While we were in the land between. Because it wasn't just one year. I think that happened a couple years while we were in seminary. That, that anonymous Christmas gift. God provides. God definitely provides. When God told Moses to tell the people that they would have meat for a whole month, so much that they would (laughs) get sick of it, (laughs) Moses wondered where all this meat was going to come from. What the Lord says next to Moses is really something for us, not just to consider, but to really give thought, prayer to, and and kind of stick in your pocket and take with you today. Because this is a really good question. It's a question we should constantly be asking ourselves. The Lord answered Moses this way. He says, is the Lord's arm too short? He goes on to say, now now you will see whether or not what I say will come true for you. Is the Lord's arm too short? A couple verses later, verse 31 in that same chapter, we're told that a wind went out from the Lord and drove quail in from the sea bringing them all around the camp within a day's walk. All that day and the next, the people went out and they gathered quail. So I guess the answer is, is the Lord's arm too short? And the answer in that day was, no, it's not. It's just long enough. So my question for y'all today, for all y'all today, is this, what's your experience? Is the Lord's arm too short in your life? Or another way I would put this is, how big is your God? How big is your God? Is your God big enough to handle your situation? Is your God's arm long enough to reach out to you? Long enough to care for you? Is his arm long enough to comfort you? Is his long arm long enough to provide for you? Is his long arm enough? Is his arm long enough to offer you salvation? Or do you think God's arm's too short? My experience is that God's arm is just long enough. I'm going to encourage you to give some thought to this, not just today, but take it with you. But while you're here, last song, give some prayer, give some thought. Seats, come up to the steps, go back to the prayer corner. You want to talk to somebody about it? Especially if you're in the land between. Especially if you're in the land between, because that's the place, man, where you really get the opportunity to see God provide. Do you wonder if God's arms are too short? Take it to God. Do what Moses did. 
If you're really, really wondering, if you're really like God, I don't know, take it to God. He wants to hear from you. You're not going to surprise him. He's aware. But he does like to hear it from your lips. The God who sees, the God who hears, is the God who provides. Tell him your concerns. Be gut-level honest with him. Because this land between is a land that can be really challenging, can it? It can really push us to our limits. It can push us to the meltdown point. It can push us to basically screaming to God. But the beauty of it is, too, the land between is also one of the most awesome places you'll ever be because it's the place where you can see God in action like no place else. Because when you are in the land between and you're reaching out and God delivers, man, it's like, whoa. It's unbelievable. It's an awesome place to see God bring about transformation in the midst of your transition. To see see God bring provision as we cry out in need. Yeah. Whether you're in the land between or not, I would encourage you to go to the Lord, but especially if you're in that place. Take some time and just go, God, man, I need you. Just take some time and check. Check to see just how long those arms of God are. Just check to see. My experience is that they've been long enough to bring us not only our need, but they bring us Jesus Christ. That's just long enough. And those are incredible arms that would bring us the one and only Son of the Lord, that we might have eternal salvation. Those arms are just long enough, wouldn't you say? Give some thought to today. Your life, your condition, your land between. Give God a chance to show you just how long His arms are. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Holy God, wow. Are your arms too short? My experience is they've been just long enough, and I thank you. I praise you. I pray for each one here that we would uh, look to you, and we would know that your arms (laughs) have been plenty long enough, especially in terms of giving us your son, Jesus the Christ. Please help us to cry to you in our need, to know that you are the God who hears, the God who sees, and the God who provides. We thank you, we praise you in Christ and in your Holy Spirit. And All Connection Church said, Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at www.connectioncc.org. You can also call our church offices at 302 378 7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life that He offers. Thank you.